Welcome to Tech It to the Limit, the humorous and surprisingly informative podcast that makes digital innovation in healthcare as entertaining as it is relevant. I'm Sarah Harper. And I'm Elliot Wilson. And we're here to pull back the curtain on the world of digital transformation in healthcare. Don't worry, you don't need a medical degree to join in on the fun. Just a sense of humor and a penchant for all things health tech. So buckle up, folks. It's time to Tech It to the Limit. What's up, Elliot? What's up, Sarah? Oh my gosh, do you believe it's October? Yeah, it's like one of my favorite months. Happy Halloween. What else is going on this month? What's, you know, why should we be celebrating October? Well, did you know that it is LGBTQ History Month? I didn't know that. Indeed it is. And on top of it, uh, October 11th is also National Coming Out Day, which is very exciting. Hey. You know, most it's funny that we call it National Coming Out Day, but National, like, coming out is a process. So, like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. never not be coming out. ABC, always be coming out. Um, <laughs> but in, Don't tell it on the freaking mountain, Elliot. That's right. That's right. <laughs> And and so in honor of that, we have a, a very special guest this month on Tech It to the Limit. We have uh, Justin Ayers, who is a fantastic on tech entrepreneur who is going to be joining us today. And we're going to be talking about culturally competent care um, and what that really means, especially around the queer community. It was a fantastic conversation. I can't wait for you all to hear it, uh, as well as taking you on this epic space journey a space odyssey if you will it was educational on so many levels for me because i was not a born trekkie but now i'm like uh i'm really curious and i obviously have a lot of education to do in that realm (laughs) so you would describe yourself as sci-fi curious sci-fi curious or trek curious which is not the same as epicurious (laughs) <laughs> I was super impressed with Justin as well. His vocabulary diction and his his articulation rivaled that of our last guest, Sarah Bell. So super excited for our audience to hear him as well. Um, but before we jump into that, Elliot, I want to hear what you've been up to, because honestly, you have not been very active on LinkedIn. And like I can't, it's like you went into this black hole and no one knows what's going on in your professional life. So tell me, like, give me an update. What have you been doing for the past, I don't know, five days? Yeah, it was kind of boring. I was out in Las Vegas, so I didn't really want to take up people's time on on LinkedIn at the at the health conference. Or if you're 75 white and male, the HLTH conference. <laughs> no way. Please yeah. tell me nobody called it that many people on the main stage that's a faux pas okay oh so faux pas. You have like a, a yellow card <laughs> <laughs> i mean honestly it's just it's health it's obviously health but it's cooler because there's no oh, vowels right. not <laughs> for millennial we Come have on. to educate these folks seriously uh no i was at, i was out i was at health as you can hear by my voice yeah, it, you have um, voice left. well when fat joe and ashanti are out there on stage uh you start screaming a bit are you kidding me? It was amazing. It was amazing. It was a great concert. Dropping them beats. It was so good. 
So yeah, no, I was I was there, and I was rather active on on LinkedIn as I tend to be at these conferences because what else are you going to do with your time? <laughs> it's just you get to see so many. This is one of the things I love about health. It's such a high energy show, and there's so many great people there. It's and it's also a spectacle. Health in general, and and its other show, Vive, it is a spectacle, and that's one of the things that that I love about it. And and just getting to see so many different friends and and colleagues that I've worked with in the past or have partied with in the past or just had wonderful sidebar intellectual conversations with in the past, such as you. So it's a, it's a wonderful show. Yeah. And but specifically for me, it was it was kind of personally important as well. Mm-hmm. Um, this was sort of a coming out for me as well. Uh, and my small business, Flying Pig Consulting. So this was one of the first big shows that I took Flying Pig for a flight. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it was very exciting to do that. And and what a difference in my approach and the and the experience having my own organization there as opposed to working for someone else's organization there. You know the the freedom that that provides. So it was just very personally fulfilling and enriching. But some of my key takeaways here, because that's what we like to talk about at health, first off, was just the absolute insane amount of startups that were there. This was uh, really driven by, I don't know, eight or nine different accelerators that each had their own massive pavilion on the show floor where they had brought in, you know, the startups from their accelerators in these sort of, you know, micro booths. And you would have 10 to 15, 20 of these startups in each of these pavilions. So the idea that you could go around and see all of these, and that's not even including all the other exhibitors on the floor. That's just in the pavilions. I mean, it was just like a Mm -hmm. bajillion different companies there. And it's just impossible to see them all uh, as much as I tried. And there was some really cool tech. That's one of the reasons I love health uh, as opposed to other conferences. They just provide some really great new tech to look at um, and marvel at. I was surprised by the blandness of the main stage speakers, though. I was really surprised by that. I'm not going to call out. Well, I mean, just lack of energy. Uh, lack mm-hmm. of excitement. They weren't bringing anything to really, you know, get jazzed up about. I, I, I'm not going to call anybody out specifically, but just there were generally, you know, they a lot of them. This isn't my phrase, pale, male, and stale. And they, it just, it wasn't the kind of the exciting thing that I want to see at Health or that I have seen at Health in the past, with one noted exception. Okay. Um, which Hit was me. actually my favorite session that I saw on the main stage while I was there. It was this conversation between Rick Gilflin, who is a former CEO of Trinity Health. He was the first um, director of the uh, Center for um, Medicare and Medicaid uh, Innovation at CMS. Mm-hmm. He's the previous CEO, CEO of the Geisinger Health Plan. There's a conversation between him and Dr. Sachin Jain, who is the leader of Scan Health, which is one of the largest, if not the largest, yeah, if one of the largest Medicare Advantage plans in the country. And he is a former uh, deputy director of policy at CMMI. I'm not sure if they were there at the same time or not, but they just have a wealth of knowledge around Medicare Advantage plans um, and alternative Mm -hmm. payment models. 
and they did not agree with each other. They were very nice. I wouldn't say they were cordial. I would say they were like nice to each other and polite to each other. Um, but you could see that they heartedly disagreed with each other. And so it was, it was like high school debate club. Yes. I mean, it was a lively yeah. debate and they were both very dynamic and very interesting and brought up incredibly good points on both sides of the issue. I find the Medicare Advantage question to be one of the most important questions of the day, especially around mm -hmm. its ability to affect investment in health tech and the use of health tech. And we just hit that tipping point of more Medicare Advantage than traditional Medicare in terms of covered lives. And so it was just fantastic. And 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 Rick Gilflin, the former CEO of Trinity, he came out right out the gate and was like, hey, we've done Medicare Advantage for like three decades. And guess what? It sucks. It doesn't reduce costs. <laughs> it doesn't reduce costs and it makes quality worse. And, and it was just like, I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to sit up and listen to this. And so it was a very refreshing debate. And, and Dr. Jane brought up um, a lot of really just great rebuttal points to it. So just this back and forth dynamism mm -hmm. was just fantastic. I wish that that kind of controversial nature and, and debate and healthy debate was mm -hmm. present in a lot more of the conversations. So generally, the rest of them were just a lot of people up on really rich people up on stage agreeing with each other. So you um, need to host a conference because that would clearly be way more entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> like um, head to head American gladiators. Yes, exactly. Back. That's what I want to see. That's what yeah, I yeah. that's mm -hmm. what I see. That's what that's what's driving conversation. However, uh, there was another one that I thought was really interesting. This was ARPA H has come out with mm -hmm. a call to action to have people come out and join their program. They've got a lot of funding. They're looking for program managers to lead on on new ways to 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 drive health outcomes, uh, especially tech-enabled health outcomes. So a lot of opportunities with ARPA-H that I got really excited about. Just the last thing that I would I would say about it is if you're ever going to go to health, don't even bother going to the sessions anymore. This is the one thing I do like about health is that they record all of their sessions and in the app post-conference, you can go and watch all of them. So if you're going to go don't go to the sessions unless you really want to see one live and you really want to talk to somebody afterward or something like that. Spend unless, of course, there's a live stream of Tech It to the Limited Health that you should definitely come. You and want to make sure that your cheering is on the recording for the podcast, you know, obvi. <laughs> Throw the roses on the stage, baby. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. So would you go back next year? Was I intend to. Okay. I intend to. I had the great joy. And one of the highlights of my my time there, when I had the great joy of being a um, a judge for the Digital Health Hub Foundation Awards, yeah, yeah. and and that was a wonderful experience over the last couple of months as I you know read through submissions from like 200 companies and my eyes went blind from staring at a glowing rectangle onto all hours of the night. But to actually see the finals there live and see who mm -hmm. won, that was just really exciting. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm super impressed. I quit after like submission 10. I was like, I've got more important things to do. Um, but, you know, I bow to you, Elliot, because um, it gets impressive that you that you reviewed all, reviewed all those companies. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're home. I'm glad you're like back to reality because, you know, even even unicorns can only extrovert so much. Right. <laughs> um, and you need to just restore. Um, it's true. What's uh what do we have in store for our listeners today? Oh, so next up we have 
Techpocalypse Now Redux. The Redux! I'm which, so excited. I am very excited too. I think I've got uh, two amazing companies to tell you about that you will have no idea what to do with. Mm, all right. I look forward to the challenge. I look forward to proving you wrong, Elliot. So for our listeners who maybe didn't tune into episode two, Techpocalypse Now is a fun little game that Elliot and I like to play where we read one another a product description generated by generative AI. It's a health tech product and one of them is fake and one of them is real. And so our, you know, our co-host needs to guess uh, which, what, what's the fake product and what's the real product. Wow. I'm really bad explaining rules to a game on the air. <laughs> a little bit embarrassed. Um, anything you'd add to that, Elliot? No, I mean, that's exactly it. I, if you can if you can figure it out at home, we'll give you a little bit of time before we tell you which one it is. But you try and figure it out at home, which one's real, which one's not. Because we go in with the same generative AI prompts for them, they sound very similar to each other. So you really got to you know, keep an ear out and listen for what makes sense, what's actual tech and what's not. So good luck, listeners. And what's tech coded in cheese whiz? <laughs> so, Elliot, do you want to kick us off? Since I think last time I went first and therefore I won. So, I, you know, it was an unfair advantage. Why don't you start first this time? And then it'll be air quotes fair when I beat you. Yes, I would love to do that. I would love mm-hmm. to do that. All right. Are you ready? Product number one, introducing Smart Stitch, the intelligent companion threading the needle on wound care. Smart Stitch reimagines at-home wound treatment, empowering you to suture wounds with professional precision. It combines cutting-edge technology and user-friendly design for an exceptional experience. Begin with an automated wound analysis. Smart Stitch's camera captures high-res wound images. The app's advanced computer vision assesses size, depth, and type for accurate treatment recommendations. Smart Stitch offers personalized suture guidance, advising on suture type and technique in real time for effective wound closure and faster healing. The guided suturing experience is where Smart Stitch excels. The handheld device provides step by step visual and audio instructions, minimizing errors during suturing. Seamless health record integration simplifies documentation, creating a shareable report for healthcare professionals. Safety is a priority with user-friendly accident-preventing design. Take charge of wound care with Smart Stitch, your ultimate healing partner. Experience wound care at your fingertips. Don't just stitch, Smart Stitch. <laughs> okay, does it does it come with a side of legal insurance? Because that sounds ridiculous. I'm I just going to call I it BS. You don't have I, to tell me, but I... <laughs> I think I, th- I know the answer. I think it's I think it's meant I don't think it's actually meant for like home personal use. I think it's meant for like Nick used like and medical school, like a no, like for, for, for EMTs and for um gotcha. and for like visiting nurses and things like that. Okay, they need a new marketer. Okay, go. Hit me with the second one. <laughs> All right, so chat GPT is not so great at it, but you know. <laughs> All right, second one. This is why we need humans. <laughs> Introducing eHealth, the revolutionary sexual health app that's got your Johnson's back. 
<laughs> have you ever been in a bit of a pickle down there and wondered if it's time to panic or just another case of a little turbulence in the trouser town? Well, fret not because he health is here to help you navigate those choppy waters with a hilarious twist. I hate chat GPT sometimes just because I told you to make it funny. doesn't mean I want you to say that it's hilarious. I know, right? <laughs> Seriously. They love that word. You know, the little gnomes that live in chat GPT love the like, word hilarious. They totally are little gnomes. All right. Picture this. You your smart home, and our HeHealth AI, all set to embark on a journey of epic proportions. They also like that phrase, too. A dick pick like no other. <laughs> That's right. With just a few simple taps, you can scan your prized possession in three easy steps, and voila, the magic happens. Instantly, you'll get the lowdown on your scan results and a sneak peek at any possible conditions. But wait, there's more. Within a jiffy, a doctor's review of your case will land in your inbox, usually within 24 hours. And if things get too hairy, worry not, because they'll connect you with sexual health experts in their trusted partner clinics. HeHealth AI is the brainchild of our super smart physicians and AI whiz kids. Our cutting edge technology has been endorsed by government organizations worldwide. So if you are 18 and above and your manhood's giving you grief, HeHealth is your wingman. So why wait? It's time to take control of your crown jewels with He Health because every <laughs> pick tells a story. Oh my God. This is a penis pick app. Like it that's definitely what, is. That's it, what this is. That's exactly what it is. That that is totally something a dude would come up with. Okay. I'm just gonna say, like, we're gonna prioritize a pick app over like an invention that would help like cure cancer. Or help women with menopausal symptoms, which, you know, actually cost society money. <laughs> I would I would go ahead and say that cost society a lot of money. They do, right? <laughs> but, like, this isn't, like, helping with preventative. This isn't, like, helping men be less. Yeah, he help is definitely the real product because men are just that self-interested. I don't even remember what the other one was. It was obviously fake because it's totally Smart risky. Stitch. It's not risky. Come on. Oh. Smart Stitch? Okay, if I'm wrong, I will. No, you're not wrong. You you're, you're not wrong. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But there's no freaking way that that would get FDA approval. Just no way, dude. But a pick app. No, that's like fast track, right? All right. You know? Wait a minute. Hold on. In defense of men. Mm -hmm. Yes. I realized that I've put a spin, this pick spin on it. However, this app actually is good because think about it think about the stigma of having an sti on your johnson oh. right and not wanting to get care because you don't want to you don't want to go to a sexual health clinic you don't want to go see somebody in person because of embarrassment for any maybe you've got a weird looking johnson you'll send it to your girlfriend or your boyfriend but you won't send it to like but you know what i mean so like helping to reduce right, stigma right. around it to help people get treatment before they go and maybe spread an STI, Public you know, it, 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 it certainly is important. So chauvinism and misogyny aside, it actually is a stand up app. It deserves to be erected to the top of the app store. Yes. No, I, I'm actually not that much of a, of a man hater. Yes, it doesn't surprise me that that product exists. And there's still so much opportunity in other markets. So let's continue. All right. With your challenge. Because, I got it. All right. You ready? I am. Okay. Get ready to witness the wonder of x-ray vision with the Butterfly IQ Plus. 
the pocket-sized ultrasound device that will make you feel like the inspector gadget of physicians. This magical contraption combines the power of ultrasound with the convenience of your smartphone, turning you into the Merlin of medical imaging. With a wave of this enchanting smart wand, you'll be peering inside bodies, deciphering organs, and giggling at the strange noises that echo through the hallowed halls of human anatomy. Who needs to act like a certified medical professional when you have a device that brings out your inner Dr. Jester? So throw on your lab coat or footy pajamas, we won't judge, and embark on a hilarious hilarious medical quest with the butterfly iq plus remember laughter is the best medicine and this gadget is the ultimate prescription for fun smartphone sold separately medical accuracy not included (laughs) that's product one sidebar chat gpt also loves to use the words prescription just they use it a lot whenever you prompt it for this kind of thing and they love to say laughter is the best medicine they do (laughs) especially when you tell them when the when the prompt when the prompt is like I, this needs to be funny like I'm trying to make this funny like they put those kind of things in there all the time. And I have zero time for your bullshit today. <laughs> Open AI. Okay, second product. Second product. Tired tired of counting sheep or listening to the soft hum of white noise machines? Enter the iDream Sleep Optimization Mask, the sleep aid of your dreams. This next gen mask wraps around your eyes, creating a cocoon of tranquility. Equipped with sensors and vibrating wonders, it detects the perfect moment to lull you into dreamland. As you drift off, the mask's gentle vibrations synchronize with your brain waves, guiding you into the most restful restful sleep of your life. Wake up feeling like a champ, ready to conquer the world and maybe even find your lost sock. It's like having your own personal sleep fairy without that annoying pixie dust. So I may or may not have special knowledge about one of these products. Yeah, I figured. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and say Butterfly IQ is the real product. Um, Yeah. So it's one of those. Shop of health. Yeah. Well, it's one of those products that I actually reviewed there. I was, they were one of the ones that I reviewed. Oh, (laughs) I should have known better. But side Um, note, at at health, that kind of product, right? There's another one, like Pulse and More is another one. And there's, there was a, there was a few handheld ultrasound and they were doing some really cool things. Like, um, like one of the ones that I saw on the show floor, I I can't remember the name off the top of my head and I feel bad because I can't give them a shout out. Um, but they, you know, their ultrasound on on top of just being able to take the ultrasound runs a little computer vision on top of it and does a bunch of measurements as well, right? So it will. So they did a bladder demonstration. So they hired this guy, and sat in the booth the entire day, took off his shirt and did a bladder ultrasound uh, study. Like I don't know how many times he did it, but I stayed it for at least five. <laughs> And 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 did it, and you can see on the screen how it's like automatically measuring the size of your bladder, how full it is, how empty it is. Like it was really rather rather incredible. So like this is like a this the whole ultrasound handheld ultrasound market is is starting to really grow. I'd love to see that go into other diagnostic areas. So shout out to to Butterfly and Pulse More and 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 the others. Yeah, I think we need to redub this episode the Nether Netherland. <laughs> there are many jokes about the down there region yeah okay that that concludes techpocalypse now and the world didn't end and we're both really really smart and chat gpt needs to get more feedback from us i think those are the takeaways i think so Um, (laughs) so folks stick around 
We're going to go to a quick commercial break. And afterward, we'll be back with our interview with Justin Ayers from Equality MD. Tech It to the Limit is brought to you by Gut Goo. The future of gut health and digestive delight. Imagine a world where your gut is always in perfect harmony, where GI problems are a distant memory. Well, with Gut Goo, that future is now. Gut Goo is the revolutionary AI-enabled GI secret weapon. Microscopic laser-enabled nanobots. These tiny marvels patrol your digestive system as they generate and transmit a 3D map of your intestinal system. But they don't stop there. These laser-wielding superheroes swarm around your lower loop-de-loop, detecting GI bleeds and cauterizing them instantly. But that's not all. Gut goo has a direct line to your gut bacteria. When those rambunctious microbes start trouble, Gut Goo intervenes with its embedded conversational AI tuned to translating messages to colonic microorganisms. Trained on a proprietary database of conflict resolution, mediation research, and third-grade humor, Gut Goo works with your sigmoidic citizens to calm them down and soothe away gas and discomfort. Sure to satisfy any embarrassed colonoscopy patient, Gut Goo also sports an advanced machine learning model that analyzes your gut biome in real time determining the perfect chemical reaction to neutralize odors, leaving you feeling confident and refreshed for your procedure. Tech It to the Limit listeners can unlock six months of gut wellness with a free subscription to the Gut Goo Companion app, Belly Buddy, a digital sidekick that syncs perfectly with your Gut Goo experience. Just use the promo code BROWN at checkout. Side effects of Gut Goo include moderate to severe musical flatulence, sporadic cravings for obscure fermented foods from Greece, and developing an inexplicable fascination with the history of toilet paper. Gut Goo is not responsible for collective bargaining actions by intestinal bacteria due to failed mediation or excessive compliments on your new fresh scent. Gut Goo, the number one solution for your number two. Welcome back to Tech It to the Limit, folks. Buckle up for an unforgettable voyage with our guest, Justin Ayers, the versatile health tech entrepreneur with a story as diverse as the stars in the Milky Way. Once a healthcare trial lawyer and history teacher, Justin has transformed into a healthcare technology voyager, leading the next generation of LGBTQIA entrepreneurs with the curiosity and determination of an intergalactic explorer. Justin navigates strange new worlds of the health tech startup galaxy. As the founder and CEO of Equality MD, Justin is reshaping how the LGBTQIA community and other underserved populations perceive and receive care. His enterprise platform is culturally competent, virtual first, and data-driven. It trains providers, matches patients, and delivers patient-centric care to communities often overlooked by the mainstream. Justin's passions extend far beyond business and tech. He's an avid traveler, pet lover, dreamer, and Scrabble virtuoso. Connect with him on LinkedIn to learn about his year teaching on the distant star of Britain, how he once starred in a Liberace movie, or his aptitude for conjuring life lessons from Star Trek. Tune into this journey of discovery with Justin Ayers, starring as the Starfleet captain of Equity Trek on the new original series that explores the lower decks of health equity. Welcome, Justin. May I call you Justin? 
Yeah, that's that's quite the intro. Thank you. That means we nailed it. Elliot, you want nailed to kick it. it off with the first question? Oh, yeah, for sure. Justin, that was originally written just for you. You don't say. <laughs> I, I may or may not be a Star Trek fan. Maybe. Whoa, okay, I'm going to take a guess that what I'm seeing on the screen, is that the Millennium Falcon? No. Ouch. Oh! oh I know something about Star Trek. Hello? Oh, wait, you're stabbing yourself in the heart, Elliot. Yes, that's Enterprise. what that felt like. Oh, it's the Enterprise. Oh, it's for crying out loud. Okay, this is like another one of those things you're going to have to bleep out. I got to walk out. This is just over. You're um, done. That's the wrong kind of mic drop. <laughs> that's a record scratch. Wait, the Millennium yeah, Falcon but... is from Star Wars. Yes. Oh, oh good. She knows right. what her that mistake was, That is a cardinal was, sin right there. All right. So let's jump in. Justin, we love to ask our guests here because we're goobers. What is your favorite dad joke? Okay, so I recently moved from Richmond, Virginia to Los Angeles to be a part of the Cedar Side Accelerator. And of course, in LA, it's got a wide variety of amazing cultural foods from all over the country and all over the world. So this is a food joke. What do you call a nosy pepper? Oh, Elliot knows. All right, give it a guess, smarty pants. Jalapeno business. No, it's jalapeno business. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it is. You got to get that accent. El acento. Nice job. I love it. That's a great joke. Thank you, Justin. That is awesome. My kids are going to love that tomorrow morning. Yeah, that I can't is take a really credit good for it. Uh, my VP of product, Jason Donnelly, he, he gave me that one. Shout out to you, Jason, wherever you are. All right, let's kick it off with a with a serious question. Okay, let's get down to business. You're fresh off the heels of your participation in the Cedar Sinai Accelerator program, like you just mentioned. What was that experience like? What lessons have you learned that other health tech entrepreneurs could benefit from? Do you want it alphabetically or numerically? Because it's it's a lot. I would say the experience has been fundamentally transformative, and I don't use those words lightly. We started the program, and then we had some of their past classes come in and one person had said there's there's a line in the sand to be drawn as a health tech entrepreneur uh, and cedar sinai accelerator before cedars accelerator and after cedars accelerator and that's exactly what it has been lessons that i think are very applicable to to health tech founders in particular because healthcare is so freaking complicated is you've got to be persistent and that, of course, goes for any entrepreneur, but healthcare in particular. But at the same time, you got to be patient. And you have to be so comfortable being uncomfortable that you just keep on pressing on. You never stop asking questions, but make sure you're asking the right questions to the right people at the right time. Understand the budgeting process for a health system if you're trying to sell to a hospital, for a payer if you're trying to sell to an insurance company. Or for corporations, if you're trying to create some sort of HR benefit program and your product might be great, it might have widgets out the wazoo, but that doesn't matter. If you're not building something that's so hyper-focused on patients and you, you lose sight of the fact that if the patient is why you're doing this, you'll be hard-pressed to sell whatever gizmo you've created because nobody will buy it. You have to be patient-centric. And I think that that's a massive shift taking place in the entire healthcare 
technology industry and it's the tech element that's allowing providers of all walks and all stripes to be able to start thinking about how they deliver care in a very intentional, meaningful way. I, I love that too. And I and I think that that really makes me curious then thinking about being patient-centric, what inspired you to create Equality MD? How does that aim to change healthcare for underserved communities? That's a good question because no one in their right mind would ever do what I'm doing. But I felt an obligation as well, saw an opportunity. And I'll tell you why. I, As you mentioned in the intro, which was fabulous, that I'm a former healthcare trial lawyer. I used to defend insurance companies in D.C. And because the system is so rigged against the patient, I won every case I had. That's not to say I wasn't a good lawyer, but it, it wasn't my passion. And I didn't feel good about the work I was doing because it was not helping people. It was helping rich people get richer. And when the Great Recession told me to go do something else, I've been an entrepreneur for 14 years now. But when you're a counselor at law, you're really a counselor at all of life. And the one question throughout traveling across the country for years that I've received as a counselor at life, because people ask me questions whether I want them to or not, and that's fine. But it, the one question kept ringing in my head during the pandemic was, where can I find a doctor that makes me feel safe? And mm-hmm. that is such a fundamental question of life because healthcare, not only is it one fifth of our nation's economy, everybody is impacted by healthcare. And uh, from a personal experience, six years ago, I was at a dermatologist in DC, came out as gay while wearing one of those awful hospital gowns with my butt mm-hmm. hanging out. And no, nobody <laughs> likes to wear those to begin with. Right. I already felt vulnerable. And when I came out, he said that he wouldn't conduct the exam because he didn't feel comfortable touching my body. And I thought, what you're a dermatologist you're supposed to do. So he left the room, making me feel just awkward and ashamed and alone. I got dressed and went to the uh, nurse to check me in. And she said, why don't you go talk to your own people about where you can find a doctor? And I thought, oh, okay. And this is in downtown DC, our nation's capital. It's not some rural community. It happens all over the place. I had I haven't seen a dermatologist since, and I've been thinking about it. But what if I had melanoma or something? I'm whiter than paper as it is, so I'm trying to get in and be proactive. But that experience, personally, coupled with what I'd been hearing from people all over the country, it just made me realize that the networks that I created by going out and being very active as an LGBTQ leader and marketing and media in particular, if I could activate that network, I'm not going to change healthcare, but I can put a good size dent in it and help a largely underserved and undermeasured patient population get the care they deserve uh, through uh, agency, dignity, and respect. And that's really why we created the Quality MD. Wow. Thank you for sharing that story with us, Justin. That is just gut-wrenchingly awful. And just just hearing that one example, I mean, that influenced the entire trajectory of your healthcare experience. And, you know, it's impacting outcomes for you, right? And you don't know for sure, yes. but that, that, you know, that's, that's um, prevent, prevention is the best medicine, right? And absolutely. Um, and I'm sorry that that traumatic experience influenced your your perception of safety in, you know, in healthcare. So that sucks. And when you think about it, the, the patient provider relationship is one of the most intimate you can have yeah. outside of your, your loved ones or your, your partner spouse. And if not taken seriously, it can go very wrong very quickly. And it's uh, sometimes it's, it's ma- out of malice, but most of the time it's not. It's mm. providers just don't take the time to care the way they should. 
your example was really vivid and and like kind of like if you think about it as a spectrum, if we think about like discrimination and, you know, um, and bias as a spectrum, that was a pretty overt act of, you know, discrimination. Oh, absolutely. Right. And then but as you're as you're alluding to, sometimes it's just lack of education on the part of the care provider that they don't realize they're not providing culturally competent care to the LGBTQIA plus community. And so I want to kind of tie that back into Quality MD. Maybe you can talk a little bit about some of that training that you offer to your team. I know we're deviating sure. a little bit here, Elliot, but no, I feel okay. like this but is before the conversation. Off, off on there, mm-hmm. Just a yeah. couple quick stats to show that I, that situation that I, I talked about with the dermatologist in DC, that I'm mm-hmm. not alone. Uh, yeah. All. One one in four of our community experience discrimination in a clinical setting, causing one in five to avoid care from any provider their entire life. One in six have been denied care, as I was, and one in eight live in states where medical providers can legally deny care based on religious beliefs. And that that's just the situation we're in. So to your point on education, it all starts with education. Currently, there are some great organizations out there trying to do some some work in this area. Uh, that some are just education focused, and they they do cultural competency trainings for uh, certain underserved communities. The LGBTQ community is is unique insofar as that it's kind of like an umbrella for every other underserved community. We're we're everywhere, and that makes it even more challenging to address the needs that we're facing because of the the intersectionality of identities. Hispanic and gay, black and lesbian, those all come into play when you're thinking about your your health and your wellness and your your state of mind. And having cultural competency education that's evidence-based, scientifically backed by research, rather than what some entities out there do, both for-profit and non-profit, they have their provider network check a box, quite literally, are you gay-friendly? What does gay-friendly even mean? Do I... Do I go to a pride parade in June? Do I have a rainbow flag somewhere in my closet? Uh, no, it means they accept your insurance. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, and, and others say, oh, I've served an LGBTQ patient. Well, good for you. What does that matter? And what was their experience okay. like? Have you have you asked them? <laughs> right. Or they are themselves LGBTQ. But then I, I know a lot of, of bad gay doctors who just have terrible bedside manner. And so it's. It, and you can't take what your experience is an LGBTQ clinician and then impart that on the world because our community is far from monolithic and that's what makes it beautiful. And to be able to understand those intricacies and always be learning and understanding about the patient sitting across from you, either virtually or in person, is absolutely critical to the proper delivery of care. I think that's Speaking as a member of the LGBTQIA plus community, can I just say queer community? I, I love all the letters, but if if just for a shorthand for this purposes of today's discussion. We know I'm how you gonna, like to use TLAs and I do love my TLAs. I do. I love my TLAs. You know, as a member of the queer community, I can certainly have experienced some of the, the, the things that you, you've been describing, but I can attest to the fact that we are not monolithic. You know, it, you and I may think very much alike, but I have friends of mine in the queer community that completely disagree with me on a whole host of different things because of the intersectionality that you described. I mean, that's I think your your point about intersectionality hits the mark right on the head. 
Yeah, it, it, well, you, something you, you can't talk about in a single way or form, shape or manner. And it's, it's a lot of entities, particularly in the healthcare sector, like to do that because it's simpler. Um, yes, it's simpler, but people are not simple. <laughs> We're very complex individuals, no matter who we are. Mm -hmm. We might be a, a, a straight military veteran with, with a husband and, and three kids, but there's still things going on under the surface, whether it, it's mental health or some sort of genetic disease that was passed on from their parents that they had nothing to do with or experience that they've had in their lives that have shaped who they are today. And if we can't get to that from a healthcare care standpoint, delivery of that care, we're never going to actually treat the patient before you as a provider. So I want to just tie this a little bit more to tech it to the limit. And because these are really great points that you're making here, but this is a future tech focused show. So I want to understand how you're using technology to bridge the gap between the queer community and culturally competent healthcare providers. How is technology alleviating the, those challenges that we've been discussing? Certainly. Well, for our platform that uh, we're building now, just to use that as an example, because I know it well, once we have trained our provider network to be LGBT culturally competent using evidence-based standards and scientific methods, we then have them on our system. Patients fill out a intake form that includes all kinds of questions about their sexual orientation and gender identity called SOGI data, social determinants of health, as well as questions that speak to the heart of that intersectionality of their unique identity. So they have a personalized dashboard that reflects who they are at that time, knowing they can always go in and change that. But matching patients with providers is an art and a science. And you, a lot of times patients are matched just because they have the, they live in a state where a provider has a license. Now you have to do that with telehealth, of course, but there's more to it than that. We've developed a machine learning matching algorithm that allows the matching to, to function much like a dating app, but with much more intentionality behind the unique needs of the individual. So the patient can fill out their profile for themselves, but then they do the same thing for the provider, their ideal provider, their ideal love provider. And we match based on what they say, what their preferences are, what their individual profile says. And that, that takes a lot of work. And the machine learning gets better and better each time there's more inputs. And that's helping speed up the time that it takes for a patient to find a provider that they know has gone through evidence-based cultural competency training. They know they can come out without uh, fear of discrimination or any kind of reper repercussions. And then they can have that safe conversation. Beyond that, we're the most undermeasured patient population in the country, somewhere between 20 and 30 million people, depending on who you ask, what studies you use. That's a massive community. And it's also the most undermeasured patient population because not everyone in that intimate clinical setting is willing to raise their hand and say, please count me as part of this community because they fear discrimination. Like I said, one in five avoid care. So by right. having a system that integrates with electronic healthcare record systems like Epic, Cerner, or Allscripts, and does so in a way that matches the providers with the patients using machine learning that's always getting better and better, and at the same time, training providers to be better and better. 
that that's why I say all of this is an art and a science. You can't take technology out of the equation and you also can't take the human element of education into it. But we are allowing the technology element to be a part of the education as well. And we've distilled some uh, continuing medical education credit granting uh, evidence-based cultural competency training into digestible components. So the providers in their busy schedules who are already overtrained in terms of their hours, uh, mm-hmm. although I would say that undertrained in, in terms of cultural competency, have the ability to actually learn something meaningful and then use technology in a way that it works with systems they're already using. And that's the, that's the biggest challenge right now is epic integration, but also that can be scaled to include non-epic systems. That was fabulous. Uh, a couple things that came that kind of floated at the top of my head as you were talking really like we're taking patient-centered care to the next level or you are right i mean provider organizations frequently say we we offer patient-centered patient-centered care you know but really what that means is like okay the patient is a monolith right what are their clinical needs not necessarily their personal needs and their personal needs are going to influence what data they share about their clinical history right and so you're kind of you're tapping into that that need of the healthcare consumer to have a, a hyper personalized experience and not just your average consumer, like a, a highly underserved population, right? That's kind of takeaway number one. Takeaway number two, I feel like I forgot it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't worry. I got I got my takeaway from it because okay. here's what I'm imagining. I'm imagining the patient experience with Equality MD where I'm it's I, can't, I don't know whether which one's right, whether it's a TikTok experience or a what's the what's the app that the straights use to hook up? Tinder. 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 Thank you. Um, Not speaking from experience. <laughs> sure. Um, I'm, I'm like, uh, is it a TikTok experience or is it a Tinder experience? You know, where I'm either swiping left or swiping right based off of a profile or I'm just swiping through and depending upon the amount of time I'm spending on this provider, it knows that that's the that's the kind of experience I want and and starts to feed me more of that algorithm. Speaking so, of that, imagine and throw in throw to the, the Tinder example, the Amazon experience. Mm-hmm. So you're holding uh, anytime you have you know one of these things in your mm-hmm. vicinity, it's listening to you. They tell you it's not, but it is. So. Oh, I was going to say about. people that had sex with Paul also had sex with. I thought that was one of those. <laughs> no, get your mind out of the gutter. So the if you say something like Murphy bed twenty times, suddenly on on Facebook or Amazon, all you see are Murphy beds. But it's that same idea, but a little more intentional when it comes to the type of care you want. So if mm. you're talking, or even uh, looking up some mental health stuff, certainly. There's there are ways for the algorithm to help you find mental health providers and destigmatize the idea of even looking for a mental health provider. Mm-hmm. The 70% of our community said that's their primary health care concern. And so we're making sure that mental health and primary care are the, the two areas of care we focus on initially before we start branching out into other specialties. Uh, you talked about under measurement, right? For yes, uh, yes. for the queer population. I, I think it's it's 
two pronged, right? When we think about the root cause, and I'm interested in your in your thoughts on this, Justin. So one is like that lack of safety in the clinical experience. The as you alluded to, like the the lack of willingness to raise your hand in class and be like, yeah, I want to be yeah. counted here, right? But it's also like they're massively underinsured, right? They don't there aren't equal rights when it comes to having access to care. Because, you know, depending on which state you live in, you're, you know, if you're married, you may not have health insurance just because your spouse does. So that is a huge problem that is yet to be addressed in this, air quotes, modern country that we live in. Um, I, as Elliot and I like to call it, it's a medically underserved country or a muck. It is. It's, yeah. it's not dissimilar from saying we're the most overfed, malnourished country in the world. And I think the same is for healthcare. We have all of this given to us, but we're still malnourished physically, mentally, spiritually, and it's really sad. And the idea of this push towards, instead of a, a paper service, it's now value-based care. You hear that all the time. I hear it at tech conferences, I have healthcare conferences, medical conferences, and I'm, I'm just now starting to see entities in the healthcare space start to do something about it. It's going to take a long time to change. And what I really appreciate about Cedars is they they were very honest about how hard it's going to be to change the system because it's so embedded to be, let's get the most out of this person while they're in the hospital bed. We have a captive audience. They're saying that it's about 99% of healthcare in general is not values-based care. And it's the pendulum swinging, but it's, it's not a big swing and it's not going to happen overnight. Yeah, but that pendulum's been swinging for a decade. Yeah, tell me about it. It's going to take some time and it's going to take uh, innovative entrepreneurs to come up with ideas and rock the boat a bit and force that pendulum past some of the hurdles that exist, whether it's technologically, philosophically, or just operationally. And that's what we hope to do is disrupt it in such a way so that people change how they think about behavior, about, about receiving care. And we're very much serving as a trust bridge. That's how Cedar sinai sees us for expanding care so we can, and that's your point about the data, Sarah. By not having the patient journey data, we don't want talking about, oh, you, John Smith, we know everything about you. It's all anonymized and aggregated. Without that information, health systems and insurance companies can't make data-driven healthcare decisions that can help you and any kind of treatment regimen you might be on. And that includes pharmaceutical manufacturing, distribution, and marketing. But then from a corporation side, it prevents them from understanding their potential employee base as well as their potential customer base. So having an inclusive healthcare plan like a quality MD, when we go to the enterprise level for non-healthcare entities like Bank of America or Shell Energy, we'll be able to help them attract and retain the best and brightest talent who want to see their values instilled in their DNA, have DEI baked into their DNA, which is a hard thing to do, but it's the right thing to do because DEI is the foundation of all innovation. And that way they will not only reduce churn and increase their diverse talent base, but they'll stay culturally relevant and competitive. Whereas in the healthcare side of things, it's increasing patient engagement because of that trust, which will improve patient outcomes. Because mm -hmm. if one in five of our community aren't seeing a doctor ever because of fear of discrimination, it's a big problem. So we need to change perceptions. And the best way to do that is starting at the source with uh, insurance companies and health systems and providers and starting with education like anything else in life. So I'm curious, you are so mission driven. And 
I love that about you because you have such a singular focus in your vision of what the healthcare industry needs to transform into. How do you balance your mission, uh, your 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 mission driven activities and, and strategy? How do you balance that with your need for profitability in the health tech startup space? I mean, you're you are. I shouldn't say mission driven in that case, you are profit driven by your backers. So how do you balance those two things as an entrepreneur? If it's intentional and taken seriously, it's actually quite easy. I don't think anyone can not do well if they're doing good. And if you put doing good first, doing well will come swiftly behind it. If DEI is baked into your startup's cultural DNA, if you're solving real needs for underserved communities, you'll organically strike the right balance and have profits and purpose, not profits or purpose. They are not mutually exclusive. If you think about it and approach it and solve the problem from the right mindset on day one. Yeah, to put a really cold spin on it, you're tapping in a, a huge un, untapped opportunity in the market. There's a lot yes. of demand to be captured in those underserved populations, right? If you look at it from a purely business standpoint. So that's that's amazing. Just on yeah. that, when we, yeah. we did an MVP uh, about a year or so ago and tested it with real patients and providers who were, were paying to use our platform, uh, we've evolved our business model from their feedback, which was invaluable. But patients loved it because they got to have primarily mental health sessions on a platform where they knew the provider had gone through cultural competency training. Almost all the patients we had had never seen a provider before in their lives. And they were having telehealth sessions in their cars, in their bedrooms, in their dorm rooms, if they were college age. But we don't serve anyone under 18. But it was amazing to get young people and, and others to, to start feeling comfortable and safe. And, and they found their own safe physical spaces to have these consultations. On the flip side, on the provider side, they were thrilled. Because we basically were unlocking the doors to an invisible patient population mm -hmm. that they wanted to engage, but they didn't know how to, let alone authentically engage them, let alone do so in a way that changed their behavior to go from never seeing any provider to go seeing a provider to go seeing them. So right. we were an, That's awesome. like a, a marketing agency that drove traffic to them. So it was a yeah. way. Yeah, I mean, the, talk about another market opportunity, right? You have these providers that want to do better. They want to learn yes. and they, they want a reputable source to go to for training, right? That's amazing. I'm going to pivot here and ask a different question. So many individuals in the queer community have experienced discrimination and bias in their healthcare experience, hence Equality MD. What has been your experience as a queer startup with respect to bias and discrimination? Has the venture capital community embraced you or have you experienced bias from those partners? It's it's harder than I thought it was going to be. I know I come with, with certain privileges. I'm a white guy, cis white guy. But even though I'm my skin is so white and practically translucent, I get my foot in the door, so to say. But then when I open my mouth and the letters LGBTQ come out, Suddenly, the room full of old white guys, you can see their chairs turn or they pull up their phones. And uh, there's a lot of discrimination in BC. It's still very much an old boys club, kind of like practice of law. I, it was, I went back in the closet at age 28 when I worked for a big law firm defending insurance companies because I didn't feel safe there coming out. 
I thought I might lose my job or get passed over for promotion. Thank God the Great Recession gave me the pink slip and I could go out and be myself again. I, I have been turned down, I, but I'll never forget this one time. This guy I'd known for, for three years, we went through a regional technology accelerator in Richmond called Lighthouse Labs. And there's on a few floors up in the same building, another VC group, I won't name it, they they have, have their uh, meetings. And so I was invited to pitch because they knew me, they knew we'd gone through the accelerator. And afterwards they declined quite fervently. And they, one of them, this guy said, why don't you go talk to your own people about raising this kind of money? And then I said, you are my people. We've known each other for years. We're in the same entrepreneurial ecosystem. You're my people. He thought I was accusing him of being gay. He turned bright red and he said, no, 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 your people, not my people. And I said, would you say that to a woman? Would you say that to an African-American gentleman? And he started turning redder and redder and redder and he walked away. But that's why there's so many great funds like angels and chasing rainbows that are out there that help fund underserved, underfunded, underrepresented founders. And they're wonderful ones for African-American community, Hispanic community, Asian Pacific Islander Americans, because we all, we all go through a lot of stuff and it's, it's, it's hard to begin with. 99% of startups fail, but when you're put behind the eight ball because of who you are and you're doing a startup, it's like two strikes against you. And it's up to you whether you're going to hit the ball out of the park or strike out. Yeah, well, congratulations on on breaking through that. Over my career, I've done the same thing. I, I described it as dressing in drag, where I put on this costume and this face yeah. in the corporate world. And I, I love living my best life now that I'm a small business owner. You know, where I don't I don't have to worry and about a podcast co-host and a podcast. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Absolutely. I know that doors have been closed to me in the past. And and I hold very many of the same privileges you do. I am quite white. I but, think you might be whiter than I am. I moved to California. I have a little sun kissed. I think you're a little whiter now. <laughs> sun kissed. Okay, I love that. Okay. Hey, Justin, I've... I think you need to write a book of aphorisms. I mean, we have so many like just perfectly stated <laughs> quotes. Again, like you're, you know, you're doing this whole like little pulling life lessons out of the ether, out of the galaxy, watching a lot of Star Trek. <laughs> Everything but, I know about life, I learned from watching Star Trek. <laughs> apparently, I haven't learned a whole lot yet. No, what you all are talking about from your lived experience reminds me of Dr. Doug Simonetto. I heard him speak. He's a hepatology physician at Mayo Clinic. I heard him speak at the Rise for Equity conference this past August in Minneapolis. And he shared his personal story of self-censorship, even at Mayo Clinic, and I thought it was just so moving some of the, well, not only his personal story, but the, the statistics he shared. I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but I do remember generally speaking that members of the queer community aspire to leadership positions at the same rate as, you know, straight uh, individuals do, but they're way underrepresented in leadership. And it's not just because of top down bias. It's from self-censorship. It's from not feeling safe yeah. in the workplace or feeling like, as you mentioned, Justin, maybe people are going to question me. I might not be able to be promoted if I come out, those types of things. Will I be seen as the same capable leader as my straight colleagues if I come out as gay? And that's on us. Damn it. Yeah. Like, I'm so freaking sick of my own kind and like past versions of myself. 
you know? And so I wish, honestly, there were an equality MD for the rest of us because we could all use a little bit more education. It's once you stop caring what others think, you realize they really weren't thinking about you much at all. And I think that if we get past our own biases and realize that all the world's problems can be boiled down into two words, personal insecurities, we'll, we'll never actually be able to overcome them, but we can manage them. And in so doing, we can manage the expectations of others because we understand who we are. And without that self-understanding, it's hard to do anything. You are like the Marcus Aurelius of health tech. Like, seriously, dude, that is some deep I love it. Ah, okay. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I believe everything I say. It's, it's important to be able to, to know yourself. And I know Thoreau said that, know thyself, but they know self be true. But uh, it. I, I do like to draw from the classics. I like to draw. Okay, I was going to say, wait, wait a minute, Sarah. He's throwing Hamlet at you. Yeah, hashtag I'm smart. But to your point about leadership, I, I went through a Harvard Business School program, the first of its kind in 2021, called Accelerating Board Diversity. And it was about lack of diversity on corporate boards in America. And this is true for women, for people of color. And there are 50 candidates selected, and I was one of two LGBTQ people selected. It was quite the honor. What we learned is the most effective way for any corporation to achieve their DEI objectives, supplier diversity objectives, and remain relevant in hiring a diverse talent workforce is by instituting an inclusive healthcare benefit plan for their entire employee base. Because that shows the world that you're not just there for the, the gay community in the month of pride, but every single day of the year. Mm -hmm. And that is a signal to potential hires that they can see themselves in you because they had created the right environment. Uh, uh, the same, same goes for customers. They can see themselves aligning and voting with their wallets with your brand because your brand aligns with their values. And as soon as we can do more of that by sharing our values, and a lot of it is on us, by being our authentic selves in public, we can start demanding better treatment, higher expectations for, for quality of care when it comes to healthcare, and just understand how we can navigate all the challenges of the world and become so comfortable being comfortable that it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you brought up equity in the boardroom and, and DEI and the, and the diversity in the boardroom, right? And inclusive, and having an inclusive health plan and, and, and driving it from a top-down approach um, in that way and, and making it ubiquitous. Because people often put equity in the corner like baby yeah. but nobody puts equity in the corner right it lives <laughs> everywhere it's everyone's responsibility it, because patrick swayze said so that's I, right i was just gonna say that yeah it's everybody's responsibility to lead with inclusion and equity in mind how do we go about doing this what is something that Every listener to Tech It to the Limit can do in their personal or professional lives to improve equity for all in healthcare. I think a lot of it goes back to Star Trek. It's fundamentally founded on curiosity, looking up at the stars and asking what if. And if you do that, you'll be able to dream big and imagine how we as individuals and collectively as a society can change the world. And if we don't, have that, we won't look into ourselves in a way that we can then reflect out into the world. 
And if, if we're not doing that to ourselves, how can we expect others to do that and take that their own personal journey of introspective exploration? So before we go to the stars, we have to first go within. And once we do, we'll be ready for warp speed. Oh my God. Please tell me you did not practice that in the mirror because <laughs> No, I didn't. I didn't. Thank you for helping us rebrand warp speed because that it needed a rebrand. All I gotta say. Yeah. All right, we're gonna we're gonna close this equity trek episode with a fun question for you, Justin. Sure. Who is the greatest Starfleet captain? I have this conversation often. I I've got to say Jean-Luc Picard. He's the embodiment of all the other captains. He executes everything he does with with intentionality, style, grace, and dignity, all while sipping a cup of Earl Grey. Even if he's just gone to battle with the Romulans and destroyed a ship, he's calm, cool, and collected. And that's really what every leader should be. So it's it's aspirational for me as a leader, his, his, his behavior, his deportment. And I think that others can find that too, because if when it comes down to understanding your own personal insecurities, that also means that you can control your emotions, not to the extent that Spock does at Vulcan, it doesn't admit he has emotions, but keep them in check so that you can exhibit and demonstrate them in a manner that suits who you want to be to others and to yourself. And I think that is why I like Jean-Luc Picard, because he is the pure embodiment of what a Starfleet captain uh, should be, bold, decisive, civilized, curious, and present for his crew, always putting his crew first. And he makes it so. So, so, but wait, but wait, 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 wait. Yes, I, yes, I, he does make it so. I, I think, you know, I think those are all really great points. The only thing. You're going to disagree, though, aren't you? I am going to disagree. I'm going to disagree. Okay. And I'm going to say it's actually Catherine Janeway. The reason is because unlike that Picard, she actually defeated the Borg. But Picard killed the Borg queen in first contact and then at the end of Picard decimated her once and for all okay oh uh, once and for all then what was she doing back in Voyager can I just take out my long cane and pull both of you off the stage because you are losing me (laughs) I think Sarah that's probably a good idea yeah yeah (laughs) it's been so fun having you on Tech It to the Limit Justin I look forward to following you on LinkedIn and getting to know you better Thank you for the work you are doing in this space. It is so important and we know you must be exhausted, but we are all cheering you on and we're here to help. Thank you very much. I hope to see you at Health in Vegas because I'll be giving a pitch to 10,000 of my closest friends uh, with the Cedar sinai Accelerator. Uh, I'll be there and, and preaching on about the, the power of inclusivity in healthcare. And I'll be in the front row cheering you on, man. Are you going to throw your panties at me or anything like that? <laughs> should I should I be warned? <laughs> I mean, I think you just I think you just gave Elliot an invitation. Yeah, really. that's a challenge. Right. He would. Exactly. It's a challenge. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I look forward to seeing you there. And thank you for this opportunity. It's always fun to talk about these things because I do the, this work because it, it's important. It needs to be done. And I really enjoy doing it, even though I am, as you say, exhausted. <laughs> it's worth every second. Well, I, for one, have been inspired uh, not only by the content of today's pod, but also to go and learn more about Star Trek because I am a nerd at heart. I just have never ventured 
on that voyage. <laughs> yes. All right. Yeah. Uh, there, there's so much, cool. but there, there's a lot of uh, nuggets and pearls of wisdom in there that really relate to life. And Roddenberry got it right because uh, even on the first bridge of the Enterprise, there was a white guy, Captain Kirk. There was a, a Japanese Sulu after we we just bombed them twice. A Russian Chekhov in the middle of the Cold War, an alien Spock, and then an African American woman during the middle of the civil rights movement. It's it's just amazing. He saw diversity and said, I'm gonna they wouldn't let him put a black man on the screen. So he said, Screw that. I'm putting a black woman on the screen. What are they gonna do now? I love it. I love it. It's so good. Justin, thank you so much. And I look forward to seeing you at health. See you there. Thank you for this time. It's been fun. Thank you, Justin. And we're out. Right. Forgot to say that we love nuggets. I was gonna say that, but I'm just really, really tired. Are you tired of the same old evidence-based medical practice? Sick of flipping through textbooks and scrolling through endless decision support databases just to diagnose your patient? Well, we've got the solution for you. Introducing Diagnosis Roulette. It's the hilarious, unpredictable twist your medical practice has been aching for. Say goodbye to tedious hours of research and hello to the thrill of medical roulette. Picture this, you're in your office, staring at a patient's chart, scratching your head, and wondering what in the Reno is this? That's when you reach for the diagnosis roulette wheel. Spin it and let fate decide your patient's condition and subsequent treatment options. It adds an element of suspense and surprise to the otherwise predictable world of evidence-based medicine. Who needs textbooks when you have Lady Luck on your side? And don't worry, we've got a wheel full of exciting conditions ready to diagnose. Will it be laughophobia? A condition where the affected individual uncontrollably bursts into fits of laughter whenever they hear a serious or somber conversation. It can make attending funerals or board meetings quite challenging. Or will it be a case of chronic punyitis? Sufferers of chronic punyitis are compelled to respond to every statement or question with a pun or wordplay, even in the most inappropriate situations which can lead to awkward social interactions and groans from those around them. Or would it be a rare and exotic case of Riddle Me This speech disorder? Individuals with Riddle Me This speech disorder spontaneously speak in riddles, making their conversations puzzling and cryptic. They might find it impossible to give straightforward answers and often respond with mysterious and perplexing statements. The possibilities are endless. Well, wait, there's more. The Diagnosis Roulette Wheel is equipped with a sound effects board to accompany your Eureka moments or your uh-oh, better spin again situations. It's like a game show and a medical practice rolled into one. So why not give your patients a prescription for laughter while you figure out their actual prescription? So doc, are you ready to inject some humor and chance into your evidence base? Spin that Diagnosis Roulette Wheel today and see where fortune takes you and your patients. Visit comeonred27.com to order yours now. That's comeonred27.com. Remember, when it comes to medicine, it's always a gamble. And now at least you and your patients can laugh about it. Diagnosis Roulette Wheel, because sometimes laughter truly is the best medicine. Welcome back, folks. To Tech It to the Limit, aka Tittlepod. I want to thank Justin Ayers for his patience with me as I'm just an, I'm new as a Trekkie to that whole space. And he was very understanding and kind. I wasn't. And I'm sorry. I know. You called that the Millennial <laughs> Falcon. 
<laughs> hey. The, mille- the millennial, the millennium falcon. <laughs> the, you have this the thing millennial falcon. Our generation. It made the Kessel Run in twelve participation trophies. Hey, hey, Elliot. Yo. Ease up, okay? Like I have this confidence thing about how I know nothing about Star Trek, and I'm willing to learn and I'm willing to grow. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's move on, shall we? The conversation with Justin, honestly, just I feel like every guest that we have on, I learn from and I'm so impressed by. And that's one of my biggest loves of this of this pod that we do together, Elliot, is is meeting these amazing individuals. They're transforming the, the industry through technology. And and Justin is absolutely one of them. So why don't you kick us off with what are your top, top takeaways from our conversation with him? You mean I mean, some, oh my God, what's a takeaway? Nuggets? What's a takeaway? Oh my God! I just used a word that I don't even know what it means. <laughs> what I want you to share is some of your chicken nuggets with That's me right. in the audience. Mm-hmm. I will. I will. Or vegan nuggets if you're a vegan. You know, they That's make those true. That's, yeah, absolutely. Stop being so exclusive. So I, I had a couple. You're, you're absolutely right. He has a great way of turning a phrase. I, th- I think that's the attorney in him. And he does it so casually, right? They're all kind of like off the cuff. No, brilliant phrases. But anyway, I loved the conversation that we had around intersectionality and uh, the polylithic nature of the queer community and the way that he described the queer community as an umbrella of intersectionality, especially as it, as it relates to underserved communities in healthcare, right? Yes, there are underserved communities of in, in the African-American population, in the Asian and Pacific Islander um, population, in the, the native population, um, you know, but all of those populations also have queerness within them that makes it sometimes doubly hard for many of the, the, the reasons that we talked about. So understand the way he describes understanding those intricacies learning and understanding about the patients that are actually across from you is being critical to delivering proper care. So I I thought that was really meaningful. Yeah. I Uh, love the way he said our community is far from monolithic and that's what makes it beautiful. Yes. So amazing. My next nugget was that, you know, even in the face of blatant bigotry, even in the VC world, which we just, I just saw a bunch of at health, right? As he's fundraising, he, he, he says that he doesn't think anyone can not do well if they're doing good in, in, mm. res- in response to how you be both mission-driven and profit-driven, right? And, and whether or not they are mutually exclusive. And I just thought that that was a really great thought. Mm-hmm. I loved the way he phrased his call to action for personal f- reflection and introspection. You know, it's so it's so trekky. You know, bef- before we go to the stars, we first have to go within, and once we do, we'll be ready for warp speed. Like, ah, it's it's mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. poetry, you know. Yeah. And and it's true, right? We see where we want to go, but it's it starts with me. Mm. Yeah. So, and the, and the last thing. I love thing, how you fangirl over him. I. <laughs> Really? And he's worth fangirling over. By well, the way, so. a, a little bit, a little bit. Listen, I went to a hypnotist show with him at Health mm-hmm. uh, on the last night there, and I have learned things about about him that, you know... Um, Aren't on LinkedIn? Let's just... <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> 
Oh, it's um, like the dark web. <laughs> well, you know, you say that I fangirl over him, but he is 100% wrong. This is my last nugget, by the way. He's 100% wrong about Picard. Catherine Janeway, <laughs> Captain Catherine Janeway, would kick Picard's ass any day of the week. So he's wrong about that. I must say that I do love that you chose a woman, even though I know nothing about Star Trek ops. As is apparent by my like totally blatantly erroneous comment at the beginning of the interview, which I'm still feeling shame for, and I know you're not going to bleep out. All right, I love the Nuggets, man. I'll keep mine short and sweet. I liked his whole concept, Equality MD. Their whole business, their value proposition is taking patient-centered care to the next level, and people love to throw that term around. And it's really, when you talk about patient centricity in the old days, you know, it's clinical centricity. Like, you know, what are the clinical needs of the patient that need to come first? And an equality MD is thinking about what are the personal needs, the deep identity needs. It's identity centricity, right? Who are you as a person? What matters to you outside of your health journey that can inform your care and that does have health impacts, right? Right. Uh, love that so much. Very deep. I also love that he just called out queer providers. He's like, just because you're queer doesn't mean you're culturally competent at delivering care to our community. Right. And 100%. so we can all learn. We can all, like you said, go within, start within what's one thing you can control your own education. Right. That's right. Your own open mindedness to learning new things. Well, love we, that. we we talk about being understanding of people's lived experience. Right. Mm, And mm -hmm. we're only able to bring our own lived experience to the table. So, of Mm. course, we're going to have people that in the queer community that are bringing their their lived queer experience. Like I have my own lived queer experience, but it is a queer experience from the perspective of a cis white man. It's an N of one. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think you're right on on that one. Yeah. My favorite, my favorite nugget that I took from um, one of my classes in, in business school was we're all looking at the world through a straw, right? And so in terms of, he talked about how DEI is the foundation of all innovation. You got to get as many different types of straws together and put them all in like rubber band them all into a tube. And then you can see the world for what it is, right? right. With that sure. team of diverse perspectives. So love that. Two more, two more nuggets I've got here to just bite into. I love this concept that, you know, underserved populations aren't this like sob story. Like it's an uncaptured market demand, right? And Equality MD is unlocking the door to an invisible patient population that previously never sought care due to discrimination, whether overt or, you know, sort of subvert. Um, That's not the right word, but like. Covert. um, Thank you. Covert. Okay. (laughs) because there's no trust, there's no safety in their experience. And Equality MD is enabling a connection between this unmet patient need and providers who really are eager to learn and grow in their culturally competent care skill set and reach this population. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're like a connective tissue, right, between this untapped market demand on two sides, right? I just love this. Or I love that, excuse me. And then I just, this doesn't really have to do anything with health tech, but I thought it was, I mean, for me, it really touched me to to my core and it made me think deeply about what my my own um, unconscious or implicit bias was. 
he said something to the effect of like 99% of the world's problems boils down to the fact that we all have our own personal insecurities, right? And again, it starts with you. It starts with your willingness to be open-minded, to look inward, to educate yourself and to ask yourself, what am I not seeing here, right? What do I need to learn next in order to be a better provider or a better partner or a better friend or a better citizen of the world? And so I'm super grateful for Justin coming on the show and just reminding me of that, you know, no better nugget, seriously, vegan or, or chicken. For sure. Well, Elliot, I think that's the end of our show today. I, I want to remind our listeners to follow us on LinkedIn because X is dead and Facebook and Insta just really isn't where we hang out. So follow us on LinkedIn, leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your pods. And I love this, Elliot, tell a friend if you love the show, tell a frenemy or an enemy if you don't love it, <laughs> you know, just send them a box of glitter in the mail. Just tell someone. <laughs> tell your great aunt. I guarantee you somebody has gifted her Spotify and she is dying to learn how to use it. <laughs> <laughs> So, Elliot, it's that time of the show again where we get to send one another off with a health tech haiku. And today is extra special because they weren't generated by AI. They were generated from our mutual love and respect for one another and our mutual humility after the game <laughs> featured on episode four, four. No Scrubs with Sarah Bell. Or, yeah, I know it's crazy. We've only done four episodes. It feels like, you know, we've been doing this for years. I just want to read you my health tech haiku that I wrote for you. And uh, I won't read the whole post, but those of you that want like the sob story about how much I love my co-host and how deserving he is of my love, you can follow me on LinkedIn <laughs> and catch the whole post. Okay. So here we go. Nerd twin, spirit friend, you blend fun, wit, brains, and heart. Let's rock this pod world. I teared. When Aww. I heard it, your whole post, by the way, was just made me feel wonderful and in inadequate. So no, no imposter syndrome is welcome on this podcast, dude. No, oh, that's very sweet. And likewise, if you are so inclined, please go to LinkedIn and follow me to read all about how awesome my co-host is and also where we found some TLAs in the wild. Ooh, yes. Uh, but here is my my heart generated prompt of a haiku for you, Sarah. And it has a hidden code in it. So please do go to LinkedIn to take a look at that one. But here it is. Smiles, supernovas. Badass tech nerds named Sarah. How brilliant they are. Te quiero, mi amigo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, igualmente is all I, I want to I, I, I want to I just want to sit with that. <laughs> okay, all right. all right. Enough enough about how awesome we are. Thanks listeners, you are awesome. We love you. We appreciate all of your support and encouragement and we would love you even more if you tell your friends and enemies about us. And write a review wherever you get your podcast. A good one. A good review. That's <laughs> Thanks so much. See you next time. See you next time. See you next time. See you next time.
Tech It to the Limit is produced by Sarah Harper and Elliot Wilson in consultation with ChatGPT. Because they are masochists and also don't have any sponsors. Yet. Music was composed by the world-famous court minstrel Evan O'Donovan. To consume more hilarious and informative content about digital transformation in healthcare, visit us online at techitothelimit.fun. And don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and across the event horizon. See you next time on Tech It to the Limit.